Well, good morning. Uh, for those of you who were with us last week, you might remember I left on a bit of a cliffhanger, right? I was mentioning Jesus as our teacher, asking what is his curriculum, what is this key that unlocks our understanding of the things that he's saying to us. Well, wait no longer. I'm not going to leave you hanging a second week in a row. We'll be talking about that today. Uh, but first, just a, a quick recap of last week. Uh, last week, we talked about our understanding of what is the gospel, how Jesus didn't come only to secure our forgiveness and our deaths, uh, but to give us life here and now. We talked about the kingdom of heaven, that it is accessible to all now, and how all who are in it are taken care of by God himself. We talked about what is really real, that God and his kingdom are what is really real. And so that's something that we can count on. We never actually answered the question we started with, which is how do I become the kind of person for whom these things are true? who at their core is a loving, Christ-like person. So that's what we're hoping to explore today. I've tried to learn guitar multiple times throughout my life, and I get stuck at the same place every time. I can, I can learn the chords, people can show me the chords, all right, that makes sense, but I've never gotten the strumming down for whatever reason. I just I can't find the strum pattern. And I would ask guitar experts, and they would tell me the same thing every time. You just got to feel it. <laughs> now, if you're in this room and, and you told me that, you know, there's nothing personal. But, but you know what happened? I actually did not learn guitar. I still have not learned guitar properly. And I'm sure I'm very ignorant about this, right? Maybe that is really how you learn guitar. I don't know. But for one reason or another, no one could give me any other instruction other than you just got to feel it. And I, I have not learned to play guitar. All I got was basically just do it. Just play the guitar. Oh, OK. It didn't work for me, unfortunately. I'm worried that all of us here throughout our Christian life have maybe heard something similar when it comes to our faith and our spirituality. And maybe that we're even starting to feel a bit guilty about that. We're told to be more loving, more kind, more generous. And then we feel so helpless because no matter how hard I try or how much I hear that, well, I'm, I'm not more loving. I'm not more kind. I'm not more generous. And we're at a point where these things are obvious. Yes, these are good things. So we don't need someone to tell us to just be better. Just do it. That hasn't been helping us. So I want to show you today how Jesus strategically and intelligently shows us how to become the kinds of people who will actually be able to do the things that he tells us to do. So now we can finally get to the one point that this has all been building up to, which is discipleship to Jesus. For that, let's take a look at what Jesus himself said at the end, the closing statements of his Sermon on the Mount, which everyone read for their extra credit, I believe. Um, his, his closing statements, he says, 
Therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the rivers rose, and the wind blew and beat that house. But it did not collapse. It did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But whoever hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came, the rivers rose, and the wind blew and beat that house, and it fell with a great crash. This image of the house built on the rock is the image that we want to have before us. Life on the rock is the expected outcome of learning from Jesus and putting his teachings into practice. Deep, strong, resilient. That can be our lives. But notice, it's not the hearing alone of, this, of his teaching that makes the difference between the house on the rock and the house on the sand. It's the putting into practice. Both builders heard what he had to say, but only one acted on it. There's no point in us knowing nice things or good ideas if we aren't going to actually do anything in response to them. And we do this all the time. What do our dentists tell us? Brush twice a day and floss your teeth. It's pretty simple, right? But what do we do? We don't floss our teeth. I don't floss my teeth. Some of you might. Good for you. I don't. And I've also had a problem with cavities most of my life. Oh, big surprise. I'll go to the dentist. They'll tell me I have a couple cavities, gums are swollen. No problem, right? Just remember to floss. Okay. I'll go in again. Just six months later, and I have more cavities. And I go in, I'm like, doctor, how did this ever happen? (laughs) I kid you not, I think I've actually had a total of 15 cavities in my life, somewhere around there. But it's it's not a mystery, right? The dentist knows how teeth work. The dentist knows what's good for me. And they'll tell me the same thing every time. But the problem was never in the advice itself. The problem was that I never took them seriously. And I never acted on the knowledge that they gave me. So to be a disciple of Jesus is to take him seriously. To actually believe that he knows what he's talking about and has good things to say. And to actually act on that knowledge. Not that he just has cute or clever ideas or sayings, but actual knowledge that is practical for life. Our lives, your life. Jesus comes on the scene not only as savior, but also teacher. And he teaches us, his disciples, his students, how to enter into the eternal kind of life his kingdom lifestyle. And I use all of these words intentionally. Teacher, student, learning. I don't imagine many of us think of ourselves as students anymore. Some of you might. But, and let alone Jesus as being our teacher. But that's exactly the dynamic that he had with his early followers. 
They called him rabbi, which just means teacher. And they were his disciples, basically students. Actually, a better word for that would be apprentice, but I don't think any of us have ever been an apprentice of anyone before, so that might be further removed. So if you like, you can try on intern. You are interns to Jesus, learning from him how to do what he does, how he does it, uh, putting into practice the things that we've learned from him, and of course, learning on the job as we go. And I do use these words, and I think they're important because I don't want us to continue to think that our change of heart or change of character is something like a light switch, something that's just going to happen to me once I accept Jesus into my heart. There are exceptions to this, right? But for the most part, that is just not God's arrangement. If we are going to take on the character of Jesus, it's going to take time and effort. And this goes for really anything that you've ever learned or ever will learn, whether it's your job, learning to speak a new language, how to drive, a sport, whatever it is, you had to learn it. These things did not happen automatically. Let me preface this by saying that when I say time and effort, I do not mean just sheer force of will. As it turns out, just sheer willpower is not very powerful at all. Just read your Bible more, right? Just, just stop being angry. Oh, I'm really anxious. Well, just don't be anxious. Have you tried that? Oh, okay, I feel better, right? Just be better already. Would you tell a pre-med student to just do open heart surgery? Just go for it. No, that'd be ridiculous. So I want to suggest that rather than saying that we are going to just try harder, let's say that we are training. Training implies that we are still in the learning process. It involves regimented exercises and activities to get us to a point where we know something, not just intellectually in our heads, but experientially. There's a lot of off-the-spot practice that happens before the actual on-the-spot open-heart surgery, or whatever it is, actually happens. I'm very grateful that there is all that off-the-spot practice before someone's doing open-heart surgery. And so in our training, we have to be careful to not make this exclusively intellectual or just head knowledge. There are other forms of learning that reinforce knowing. I've broken it down into three primary areas, the first one being informational. I think that's the one we're most familiar with, you know, lectures, sermons, reading. There's also observational, actually watching how the expert does whatever it is that they're doing. And lastly, experiential. We might have labs, we're practicing things. Uh, we have on-the-job on training, hands-on training, uh, actual practices that will help us do the work that we actually intend to do later. And, and again, look at any discipline, any skill, any work that you've done, and you'll know that this is true. But Jesus is the expert on 
just about everything, but namely how to live your life as a human being in the reality of the kingdom of heaven all around us. He gives us informational knowledge and observational by watching his life and experiential knowledge of how to actually do these things. Now, of the three modes of knowing, uh, I've given you plenty of informational teaching. I think you've gotten a lot in your life. Now, while information is helpful, necessary even, it's not sufficient. We can't do without information, but we also need more. So I want us to look at the experiential side of knowing with what are traditionally known as spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices, if that helps. This is going to be the bulk of what I've been referring to this whole time when I talk about the practical how-to of becoming a certain kind of person. So, no more cliffhangers. Here we go. I'm going to give it to you. Spiritual disciplines. There's a long history and tradition of the spiritual disciplines, but the primary ones really find all of their inspiration from Jesus himself and what he did during his time on earth. Very quickly, some of them include fasting, prayer, silence, solitude, giving, worship and celebration, Sabbath, rest, study, service, submission, and simplicity. I mentioned that they all get their inspiration from Jesus. For example, we see Jesus fasting. We see him retreating from the crowds and even his close followers uh, to be in places where he can just be alone for a time. We see him resting. This is Jesus, the Son of God, you know, the one working miracles, healing people, and literally raising dead bodies back to life. Resting. A wise man once came to the realization that if Jesus needed 40 days alone in the desert, maybe I could use one or two. And this is by no means an exhaustive list, nor is it an exclusive list. Uh, you may want to get a little creative when it comes to disciplines or practices. Uh, there is room for flexibility. But for now, we'll just kind of stick to the basics. What are disciplines generally? Disciplines are activities that are within our power that enable us to do what we cannot do by direct effort. Okay, that was a mouthful, right? A lot in that sentence. Activities that are in our power that help us to do what we cannot do by direct effort or, or just sheer willpower. So I find that I cannot just not be angry by sheer willpower. The discipline of fasting might indirectly help me with that. Or I find that I'm overworked and anxious and stressed all the time. Well, the disciplines of silence, solitude, and Sabbath might help me with that. Now, it's important to note that the disciplines are means to an end. They are not the ends in themselves. The purpose of fasting is not to get good at fasting. That would make it the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. But we're called to go deeper than that. 
These are not things for us to be, be proud of, to say, I do this, I do that. I prayed every day this week. No, 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 no. These are just tools to help us become a certain kind of person, to put on a new heart, put on a new character, to become more like Christ. That being said, they are things we do, and there's no need for us to feel uneasy about that. So that's disciplines, just a quick, quick brief intro to them. Um, would a practice example help? Should we run through uh, an example of how this would actually play out? Well, first, I think we want to get decently specific about what we want to address. So rather than just saying, I want to be a better person, we could say something like, I want to learn how to not get upset at people when uh, I don't get what I want or when things don't go my way. Like that. Um, there's only time for us to talk about one, and so the one we'll be talking about today as our example is anxiety, worry, and stress. How to become a non-anxious person, but rather a secure, trusting one. Now, normally, you should pick a topic that is particular to you. So if, that, if this is not going to be something um, that resonates with you or you identify with, okay, that's okay. You know, today we're just using it as a practice example. But you would want to pick one that you identify with. And I did pick this one because I think it takes the least amount of setup and exposition. And we, we could sit here all day and debate whether or not worry is a sin, that's not really the point. Sin or not, I don't think you enjoy living with it. And I don't think that you would want to keep it if you could help it. Is that, is that pretty true? Can someone confirm this for me? Yeah? Okay, I see some head nods. We don't really want worry in our life. Great. So then we can begin. So, you're stressed all the time. You can never catch a break. You've got way too much on your plate. And that's making you tired, anxious, short-tempered, maybe, with your loved ones. Now, Jesus gives us informational knowledge about this. He says, well, look at the birds. Even they are provided for. And, well, you're worth more than birds, right? So no need to worry. Don't worry. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All will be provided. We talked a lot about the kingdom last week, right? Well, that's the informational knowledge. Sounds great. Good to know. But I can't bring myself to really, really believe it. It's, it's still hard, to be honest. I'm still worried a lot. And I can't just make myself believe it through sheer willpower. What do I do? What can I do? Well, try on some disciplines. Now, as you saw, there was a lot to choose from, but I think for this topic in particular, the most helpful for us would be silence, solitude, and Sabbath. So we'll just start there. Sabbath. What is Sabbath? Very compactly, briefly, Sabbath is rest from work and obligations that usually demand our attention. And Sabbath is very much for our own good. 
So much so that in the Old Testament, God not only commanded it, but he made provision for the people to be able to observe it, even in the middle of the desert. Sabbath is pretty simple, yet often neglected in our day. Rest is vital to human beings. There's, there's just no way around it. I mean, how many medical problems, whether physical or mental, are due to stress and overwork? And how many times have doctors who have studied all of the finest and latest advances in medicine and technology, how many times have they had to give a pres- prescription that simply said, take it easy, real fancy? We think we have too much going on in our lives, or we have too many important things to do that we can't afford to take a day off. The truth is, we can. And if we don't believe that yet, then, well, we can learn that we can afford to rest. That's why this is a discipline, because it might be something that we're still learning. We enter Sabbath with an experimental attitude. And we come out of it and realize, wow, the world didn't end without me, even though I took some time off. Everything didn't catch on fire. Everything is okay. It sounds silly, right? But once you realize that, it can be such a freeing realization. You still go back to doing whatever it is you need to do. That's good. But rather than doing it with a rushed, anxious posture, you do it from a place of security. Security within the kingdom of heaven, knowing that God is with you in your work and he provides the resources that you need for your well-being. Now, some of you may argue with me on this and insist that you indeed truly cannot afford to take a day off once a week or whatever, from whatever it is that's going on. You know what, I'm sure some of you really could stretch me to the limit on this thing, in which case, you know, good for you. Or not good for you. I don't know, that would be kind of rough, huh? But if you did, I would insist again that you, you can. You can. And I would challenge you to make arrangements for this to happen. Shuffle your schedule around so that you do have that open 24-hour block. Cut something out of your schedule if needed. I mean, it's, it's this important. An obvious obstacle will be if you have kids. We have to talk about it, right? You can come to an agreement with your spouse and alternate who is Sabbathing and who is managing the household. And then just swap, giving the other person the opportunity. You can ask someone to watch your kids for you. Uh, I was chatting with someone the other day, and they were mentioning how in the past their home group sort of swapped who's watching, and, and everyone else gets the time off. But, you know, you swap. And that's, that's the beauty of community in action. I think that's a really creative way of going about this. Um, this is where I might be overcommitting myself. Uh, but if, if you truly cannot make it work, and there is no one around you to help, I am into, oh, and you have kids under the age of 18, okay? I have to really, okay. I am entitling you to ask me or Caitlin. (laughs) 
We talked about it beforehand. We're entitling you to ask us for free child care for the day so that you can take a Sabbath. No, okay, not everyone all at once, right? Like this week, that would be a little rough. We'll work out a schedule. Um, but, but really, though, this is, this is a serious offer because I do believe it's this important for you. Take me up on the offer if it's really going to make the difference. You've got a million things going on. It's demanding too much from you. What you need right now is not more work or to get ahead of your work or to work harder. It's to stop working for a time. Rest. And when you practice the Sabbath, rest, and I do say practice, you will progressively learn that you are taken care of by God because the kingdom of heaven is yours. And it takes time to get there and get to that level of, of trust and security. And that's okay. But you won't get there unless you start and start training, practicing. If Jesus, the most important man in the world, whose job was to literally save the world, if he can afford to rest and saw it good for himself to rest, I think you can too. So seriously consider taking a Sabbath rest day sometime this week uh, and plan for it. What did we say last week? Proper planning prevents poor performance. Plan for it. Make this your extra credit. Remember, the teaching and informational knowledge is obvious at this point. You can hear me and say, yeah, that sounds nice. Well, we have to actually do something in response. And this week's assignment is simply to take a break. So it really doesn't get easier than this one. Try it out, okay? Again, if there's anything that I or anyone else can do to help and help you make this possible, uh, please just ask. Uh, we're all very happy to help. Okay, I, I did promise uh, that I'd mention science and solitude as a discipline, but I know we are a little short on time, so we'll run through it very quickly. Uh, taking a day off is good in itself, but if you really want to maximize its effects, It'd be good if you could do a good portion of it in silence and solitude. In our fast-paced and connected world, we very rarely ever get true silence. Even in the moments where we are alone or by ourselves, there's the constant buzz of our phones connecting us to what's going on and the world around us and, and our friends and whatnot. We might even like to throw on a show in the background, you know, not really watching it, but, but it's there. You know, that's fine, but I think with all these noises and, I want to say, distractions sometimes, we never actually get a chance to hear our own thoughts, let alone hear from God. I think part of us likes it that way. And we don't want to hear from ourselves or from God. It, it can be scary. It's comfortable this way. Comfortable, honestly, not what we really need. At least, you know, not all the time, just constant, nonstop. And so throwing ourselves into silence 
while taking a true Sabbath, allows us to slow our lives down to a much more manageable pace. It helps us realize that we don't need the constant distractions or, or entertainment or things to do, things to keep us busy. We don't need it. But we can, in fact, slow down and smell the roses, to be a little bit cliche. And praise God that there are roses to smell. I mean, we, we truly live in a good and wonderful world. We just need to take the time to actually see it. Now, naturally, you won't get much silence without solitude. So while there are distinctions between the two, we're just going to lump them together for now. So that's Sabbath, that's silence, that's solitude. Let's try to synthesize it together. Uh, can I share with you how I try to put this into practice in my own life? Again, for more concrete examples. Uh, it's just an example. Yours does not have to look exactly like how uh, I do it. Just an example. Uh, while I'm speaking, yes, there is the extra credit up there if you want to um, take a photo or make some note of. How do I go about this? Well, for Sabbath, uh, weekends are usually work for me, right? I have to prep for Sunday. So naturally, Mondays are my day off. I make it an effort to not schedule any meetings or even respond to any texts or emails on Monday because that's my Sabbath and I'm going to guard that. Admittedly, this may be annoying to other members on staff who are not taking their Sabbath on that day and need a response from me, but I think at this point we've come to an understanding and it's okay. I didn't get, I didn't get as much confirmation on that as I was hoping. <laughs> but hey, everything's not on fire, so I think we're okay. For silence and solitude, one thing I've learned to do is find my spot where I can regularly get away from everything and just be by myself out of the house in nature. My spot is Lake Anza in Tilden Park. So you're not allowed to go there Monday mornings. <laughs> ruins it. I do kid. Actually, I would be thrilled if anyone wanted to join me. Now, at first I went there just to get away and, and be in nature and try out the silence and solitude time. Uh, but after a few times of going there, uh, I started to turn my phone off, and I learned to do that. Not just silent, but off, off. I didn't need my attention taken away from me every five minutes. Or, you know, even if I had a thought and I wanted to write it down, okay, pull it out, write it down, and then, oh, oh, there's that text. And, well, now I'm on YouTube, and how did I get here? And it's, it's just not, it's not helpful. It's not helpful, right? It can wait a few hours. I find a bench, and I just sit there for a few hours. I might read a book or my Bible. And so I was doing that for a few times, and a few more times of that, I experimented with something new. I tried talking out loud as if Jesus were actually sitting next to me on the bench, having a conversation with me. I did do that when there was like no one around. Just, yeah, it was a little weird, right? And, and to be honest, it was weird at first, because we don't usually talk out loud by ourselves, but the weirdness went away. It, it went away very quickly. 
And these are the times where I learned to be with God and to actually talk with Him. These are the times where I set everything aside for just a few hours and to help remind myself that everything is okay. I'm okay because I am in God's kingdom and He is here with me. And He'll be with me when I get home. He'll be with me in whatever it is that's going on in my life at the time. I don't know if I would have come to those realizations if I did not put this into practice. So it is something that developed over time. I, I didn't have this all down right from the start. But, but that was okay. I was still learning from Jesus what it meant to rest and to be with him, to have an interactive relationship with him. And I have learned a lot through this practice, and, and I know I still have a lot to learn. It really is a discipline for us to take a day off and be off by ourselves for a few hours without any distractions or, or entertainment. I know it's not what we're used to, but consider how it may be the very thing that you need right now. You sense the need to learn how to become a non-anxious person, and this might help you right now, right away. But also consider the kind of person that you're going to be six months from now. I am told secondhand that the average person has a crisis once every six months. Would it be helpful to be a non-anxious person then? Or are you going to wait around for that crisis to, to hit you and then figure this out? Or are we going to put in the time and effort that it takes now to become the people we already know we want to be? And this is all just for anxiety. That was our, our practice example today. But what about for anger or lust, selfishness, pride, impatience, gossiping, bad-mouthing? What disciplines could we engage in to help us with these things? What role does fasting have in getting rid of anger or selfishness even? What role does service have in learning to love others? Silence is good for worry, as we went over briefly, but can it also be good for learning to get rid of gossip and bad-mouthing? So much potential, so much that Jesus is willing and wanting to teach us experientially, but only so much time right now, so we have to move on. Like I said last week, if you test these out and practice them and you are not seeing any progress or growth, then come let me know and we can go back to the drawing board. We're taking an experimental attitude toward these. There's a lot of flexibility and creativity. But don't say that they don't work until you have tried it out. Don't be like me at the dentist, not flossing, getting cavities and being like, oh, how did this happen? Don't only hear Jesus' words, but also act on them. It's, it's the acting on them 
not the hearing alone, that will actually change your life. We don't need to wait and sit here helplessly, hoping on a whim that one day we would just magically change. We can actually work with God now to become the kind of person he knows is good for us to be. To become like his son, full of love, full of joy and peace and patience. To have a life that's built on the rock. But we must respond. It's true that we can do nothing without him. But it's also true that we cannot do nothing. Let's hear his words and let's do something about them. Put them into practice. Consider some disciplines in your training as his disciple, his student, to become like your teacher, like Jesus. Let's pray for these things. Jesus, we, we do acknowledge you as our teacher, as our rabbi, that we have so much to learn from you. That you are the expert on all of these. You have the knowledge and expertise of how to become a genuinely good person living in this world that you created. We recognize that there is so much for us to learn and um, there's no better place for us to start than where we are at. And we are very grateful to you that that is exactly where you meet us. That you do not just tell us to just do it and to just be better already, but you walk with us. You show us how. And you model it for us. And even in the times where we don't get it fully right, we feel like we mess up. You don't see that as failure. You just see it as learning. And you have such great patience and grace for us. Jesus, I, I do pray that we not only hear your words, but that we put them into practice so that we can have that life now that you promise, the one that is on the rock and not shaken by the rain and the wind, but is strong. I pray all of this in your name. Amen.